0: Uh, For those of you who are newer to grace or or just checking things out or passing through here today, we're we're going through the book of John and and following the gospel of John and John's account of Jesus coming to the cross. Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16 today. So if you want to turn there in your Bible or Bible app, uh, we have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you. If you don't have a Bible and you like a Bible, go ahead and take it. It's yours. Last week. In our sermon series, we, we unpacked that question from, from a gentleman named Pilate, Roman official. What is truth? Uh, just a follow-up resource from that discussion of what is truth, especially in our contemporary context and in today's day and time. There's a resource that we're making available and we're even encouraging our life groups to go through it called uh, uh, the Secular Creed, addressing some of the, the messages that are prevalent here today and the philosophies that are prevalent here today that undermine this notion of, or the the truth that there is truth. And a great resource written by Rebecca McLaughlin, she herself struggles with same-sex attraction. This is not something that the Lord has freed her from, but that she lives with every day as a married woman. And she's enduring this struggle and can speak from this place of the struggle that's in submission. It's under the the Lord Jesus Christ and experiencing the freedom of Jesus, not in, 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 in giving in to her experience, but letting Jesus liberate her in the midst of her experience. And so really powerful to have her share these truths with us. So I encourage you to please grab a copy. Uh, it's available to you from the church there. Uh, uh, let's try to stick to one per family, if you will. So I know your kids. I know what they freebies and they take advantage. I'm joking. As we have um, been going through this series, Jane and I have just so happened to start uh, watching the, the the TV series, The Chosen. Any of y'all seen The Chosen? Some of y'all seen it? A lot of y'all seen it. Yeah. We're, we're late to the party. I've been kind of jaded by uh, some of my past history with Christian media. Christian media isn't always great, uh, done well. It's kind of cringeworthy at times in the past, just to be honest. Uh, and so I was really hesitant about... Uh, about the chosen but been really pleasantly surprised i highly recommend it really powerful uh i i don't think there's a single episode that i have not like had tears and crying and jane's like yes yes i'm the emotional one jane's the stable one pray for jane in this late one of the latest episodes we were watching um have the disciples James and John, and 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 the, the episode is entitled Thunder. And uh, uh, Jesus is given the, the, the title to James and John, the Sons of Thunder. Well, in this in this encounter, uh, they 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 run into some people who uh, were were mean to them, uh, that ridicule them, spit upon them. And James and John, their their instant response is is let's go, let's get them. Call down fire from God, take them out. Jesus like, whoa, boys, whoa. They, 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 they thought that the demonstration of authority in Jesus' position is king. You don't treat the king of kings this way. Show your power. Fire for those people, like I hope they suffer and die, or we might enjoy a little bit of like, oh, they're suffering for their choices, Maybe, maybe you don't laugh like the Wicked Witch of the West, but I don't know. Jesus has another encounter with James and John, Sons of Thunder, where shortly, uh, just a couple months here, weeks even, in fact, just before Jesus is here, Palm Sunday, approaching the cross, and they, they approach Jesus. Well, they don't approach Jesus. They have their mom approach Jesus, saying, will you give us positions of authority on your right and your left? When you come into the kingdom, we want, we want the top positions. And Jesus explains, you don't, even, you don't understand. You've been with me three years. You don't understand what kind of kingdom this really is. You don't understand what I'm about to suffer. And the other disciples, they see James and John, and 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 they're not like, guys, like that's totally wrong. That's so arrogant and proud, and and like, no, we should serve. No, the disciples were like, we didn't think of that first. You guys are messed. We should have thought about that and approached Jesus. We want the positions. Of, they're they're all fighting about who can get power and. Imagine Jesus' frustration and struggle with these guys he's been with for three years. And how much have they learned? I like to call them the 12 stooges. Jesus concludes, the people in authority of all the other nations, they use that authority to abuse. They use that authority to lord it over you all. They use you and abuse you. That's not a demonstration Of power, actually. The son of man did not come to be served, which is the the typical uh, uh, position and posture of human positions of power and authority and bosses and leaders and kings. But the son of man, the king of kings, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Different Jesus is demonstrating. There's a different kind of power. There's a different kind of a uh, of, of, of leadership of authority. But but let's be honest. We see the prevalence of evil, right? I mean, just this past week, where we see shootings happen, where we see the uh, uh, the, the, the the just the, the the wars and abuses of power across the world, and it's not just that we see the evil at work, but it just doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be getting better, right? I mean, it's just prevalent. It's persistent. Evil seems to be winning more often than than good, if we can put it that way. How how does this kind of servant leadership actually possess any influence or power to change things in this world? That's what we see. And Jesus exposes in our passage today as we have a clash of powers. Jesus... The sovereign king, the king of kings, comes under the authority of evil and darkness in order to save us from it. If you haven't turned there, go ahead and do so. John 19, 1 through 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, see, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. And Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, behold, the man. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. The Pilate said to him, will you not speak? Do you not know that I have authority to release you or authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him. You would have no authority over me at all. Unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you. Has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out. If you release this man. You are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words. He brought Jesus out and sat down. On the judgment seat at a place called the stone pavement and in an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation, the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king! And they cried out cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him! Chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him. Over to them to be crucified. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. Lord, as we encounter this this moment. The great irony and tragedy. Their very God. Their very God. Who's come to save them. And they are hell-bent on condemning you. And yet your mercy, with all authority, you surrender and subject yourself to such evil and injustice. And you do it for our salvation, for our love, for your love for us, God, for your glory. Lord, help us to see, help us to hear, help us to receive and understand that you are the king of kings. And to see that you use your power to show mercy. Help us to see and experience today your power that liberates us. Holy Spirit, work in us. Pull back the veil in our hearts and our minds this morning, Jesus. Let us encounter you. Holy Spirit, come upon me, your servant, your sinful, broken servant. Speak your words, Jesus, in your name, amen. As we heard earlier, with Christy reading to the kiddos, we celebrate Palm Sunday. And in, in Palm Sunday, a week before Jesus' resurrection, the events leading up to his crucifixion, and in Palm Sunday, this ironic day, Jesus coming in in his glory, and he's, he's writing, in. the people are, are, are rightly proclaiming, Hosanna, Son of David. Blessed is the name. It's the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So many things are right. So many things are ironic. As we heard in the story with the kiddos, Jesus comes in, not not in in this majestic kind of war steed, this white horse demonstrating power and authority for battle and for victory. He didn't come in in typical kind of conquest vibrato. You see, the people were were hoping and thinking that, that Jesus coming into Jerusalem at this time would be their liberation from the Romans, from the oppression. Israel would be a free nation. The oppressors would be driven out. Bring on the revolution. But along comes Jesus. Riding on a donkey. Of course, there's meaning to that. The donkey was a sign of peace. He's not coming in to wage War, but to bring peace. The irony of this humble gesture on the part of Jesus. Seemingly impotent, seemingly powerless in his approach. And yet, when we pull back the curtain, this is what we see. Colossians pulls back the veil. Paul. Explains for us, who is Jesus really? The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. This image, this reality, Jesus is the king of kings. He's the one who's created all forms of authority and power. And yet the king of kings, as we step into this scene here, we see he's being beaten. He's being whipped and flogged. He's being mocked. As they put a crown of thorns on him in mockery, they put a robe on him in mockery. As they say, hail to the king of the Jews in mockery, and they slap him in the face. All to shame him, all to just express this sense of you're worthless, powerless, nothing. But little do they know, he is the very one who saw them and formed them in the womb and created them. He's the very one who knew their name before they had no name, who made them for himself. He's the one who upholds the systems of governments and authority and the powers, the universe itself. He is the one with all power and authority. And they are slapping him, mocking him. And he just takes it. Why? What kind of powerless, impotent kind of authority is this? the way of love. The king of kings shows his demonstration of power was not to lay himself over and, and, and enforce his way, but to come under, under the, the darkness, under and in the evil of this world, And overthrow it. Isn't this how he treats us? Isn't it? Isn't it interesting when we consider just how we walk through the day, friends? How we just are so casual about the king of kings. The Lord of lords, Jesus, whom we call our king or who... We may even mock at times. But most of us here in this room say, I think Jesus is my king. I consider Jesus my king. And yet our lives, we live in such a way that we treat him more like a sugar daddy than the king of kings. You exist to bless me. You exist to do things for me. You exist for me. When we should be on our knees, that we should offer ourselves before Him in worship and honor and service every day. Not out of, not out of a sense of, of fear before Him, because, because of the great demonstration of His power by serving us. It goes on here the King of Kings. Subjects himself to such treatment. But he goes on to surrender himself, to subject himself to the will and the authority of evil and darkness to save us from it. Pilate. Pilate in this scene here, he's you can see just his 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 hate, his just distaste for the Jews and just minimizing them and mocks them as he brings Jesus before them. And, and, and and his hope is that he would just beat Jesus, take him through a whipping, teach him a little bit of a lesson, show that the, show the Jews like, listen, I've demeaned him, I've dehumanized him, but there's no grounds for your accusation. But it's not about that for them. They exclaim, he claims to be the son of God. And all of a sudden, things begin to change here for Pilate. Because because now they've introduced that that he is some kind of authority. Not just a king, but now we've introduced the divine into the picture. And all of a sudden, Pilate becomes concerned. He brings Jesus in to his quarters again to interview him. Something more is going on. Pilate realizes he's stepping into something so much more significant. Where are you from? He asks Jesus. Jesus has an opportunity to defend himself. But well, what does he do? Nothing. He just stands there silent. Pilate in his in his his anger, his frustration at the situation. He knows Jesus is innocent. Jesus, Jesus isn't doing anything about it. He's not trying to defend himself. Anybody else in the situation would be explaining his his, his, his situation and, and, and trying to defend himself and get his freedom. Crucifixion was the the, the worst form of torture. Like, who... Who would just allow themselves to go through crucifixion? Like, what is going, something more is going on. This is, this is confusing and rattling Pilate's world. Jesus says nothing. You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you? Authority to crucify you? And Jesus' words here just blow things Wide open. There's so much more going on. You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. You would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Jesus speaking Not just about Caesar, you know, your boss put you in this position. No, he's referring to, there is, there is a divine work here. And, and your authority to execute me? There's somebody else that's at work behind the scenes here. In fact, what's implied here, as we know, Jesus himself is that authority. Jesus himself is authority over his own death. John, he explains this. The father earlier in John, months, months earlier in John chapter 10, he says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. Jesus is, is is revealing that while Pilate is the one in positional power at the moment, that there is a power that's working, that Pilate does not have control over. In fact, Pilate is being moved by it. He's caught up in it. There is a greater work happening here. This is a revealing from Jesus that that. He's willingly going to the cross because there's something significant that he's trying to accomplish. But there's more going on here that he, as the king of kings, is sovereign over all authority. And what this means is that he's, sovereign, he's the king of kings. He's working in all circumstances. He's working even in the midst of the darkest and deepest farms of evil in this world. This sovereignty, though, however, doesn't supersede, doesn't override our responsibility. This gets into some complicated uh, truths about how does reality work? And how can we have a good God who's an all-powerful God, and yet there be evil in this world? We're going to go back to school here for a moment, so get ready. This reveals a concept or truth. It's called compat. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Mm. Here we go, let's try again. Compatibil- bil- <laughs> <laughs> compatibilism. 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 I should have put it up on the screen. I I deleted it thinking, you're not, you know what, and then here I I am messing up. Compatibilism. What's this, what the concept here is, you're going to forget that. So remember this, all right? (laughs) Here's the deal. God can be sovereign and be compatible with our human freedom. God can have sovereign power and authority, and yet that can be compatible with our freedom of will. Check this out. God is sovereign over all power and authority, but we have independent wills for which we are responsible for our choices. God's sovereignty does not overrule our free agency or responsibility. Our personal agency and responsibility does not put us out of the reach of God's sovereignty, though. God uses his sovereign power to work in and through the plans of evil to accomplish his good plan. What is intended for or by evil, God uses for good. God uses his sovereign power to work in and through the plans of evil to accomplish his good plans. What is intended for evil or by evil, God uses for good. Is that good news? What Jesus is showing... As he stands in here and he, he speaks to Pilate, there is a power that is at work here that's greater than you. You wouldn't even have the position and authority that you have except by that power. Those who've given me over to you are guilty of a greater sin. They're responsible for their sin. You see, God's sovereign hand, he's not like this puppeteer with his sovereign power and that, and, uh, that, that we have no responsibility because we're, we're, just, we're, just, we're just puppets being pulled by the string of a sovereign God. That, that's not what's happening here. God, in, in his wisdom, in his love, and in the complexity of reality, God, who loves us, created us with freedom of the will so that we would, could willingly choose to love him. It's not love if you're forced to, right? But in that love, in God's love to make us free agents, there's the risk that we would choose ourselves over him, which is what has happened. The evil that exists in the world, the injustices, are perpetuated by sin in us, in humanity. We're the cause of it. We're the cause of it. It comes in and through us individually. It systemically infects all of this world and creation. This world is not going to get better. This world has to be changed. The world's got to pass away. There's got to be a new world to come. That's free of this systemic infection of sin. This individual infection of sin. Our responsibility. We are still responsible. God knows something. Jesus knows something by willingly being the king of kings to submit himself and to come under This evil, the will of the people to crucify him. He has the power to crush them. He could call down fire from heaven just like John and James wanted. But he doesn't. He enters into the darkness. He comes under it. He comes under the authority of darkness. Because God knows something about this world and this life that we struggle to understand. In this sin-soaked life, there's only going through the valley of the shadow of death, not around it. We cannot avoid it. In this life, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. And the only, you can't, we, we can't avoid it. This world is broken. And the only way out is through Jesus comes under and goes through. In this sin-soaked life, there's only going through. But because of Jesus, because he went through and came under evil and darkness, darkness is not the only voice. And it doesn't have the final word. Jesus coming under the authority of darkness was so that he could sympathize with us in our suffering, in this world, in this life. Jesus coming under the authority of darkness was to take it upon himself so that by his wounds we can be healed in the here and now. Jesus coming out of the authority of darkness is to overcome it and to give us hope that this too shall pass. This will not last. Jesus coming out of the authority of darkness was to serve us. He uses his power, his authority to serve so that we might be saved. God, in his sovereign plan, Jesus, in his sovereign plan with the Father and Spirit, they take and use what is intended for evil to produce his good plan. This is is not new to us here in the truth of Scripture, one of the great places where we see this played out and, is, and, and power, the powerful message is, is, is shared in, in the life of, of a gentleman named Joseph. Thousands of years ago, there was this guy named Joseph, son of Jacob, many brothers, and, and he had this special coat. God gave him certain visions and dreams, and his brothers were really jealous of him to the point that, that his brothers sold him into slavery. You can go to the next slide. His brothers, his very own brothers, sell him into slavery in Egypt. And, and, and not only is he sold as a slave, he actually had a good gig initially for seven years as he served under a guy named Potiphar. But then he was falsely accused. It got worse. He was falsely accused of sexual assault. And then he's put in prison. And... Things got a whole lot worse. For 10 years, he's in prison. The guy's done nothing wrong. And yet God would use him. God had a plan where Joseph would become the administrator in Egypt in order to get them through famine. And not only them, but also to save his own family. At the end here, after his father dies, he's brought his family with him, his brothers, and his brothers are afraid. Joseph... had. While our dad was alive, he 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 was at least accountable to dad, and at least for dad's sake, he would love us. But now dad's dead; he's probably going to kill us. And Joseph confronts him and explains to them this gracious truth, which Jesus is living out before us. Do not fear, for I am in the place I am. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Isn't that that what we see here at work in the life of Jesus? What we see is intended for evil. And and, as we come to the cross and the crucifixion, and, and and God's own people yelling, crucify him. There was more at work. There's more that Jesus is doing. And we know that here today. We wouldn't be sitting here today if we didn't understand that. Jesus is going through. It's not just for the salvation of our sins and to make us right with God, but also to give us hope in this life. We've experienced that testimony in our, in our own home. Xander gave me permission to share just a little bit of his story. You know, we adopted Xander over five years ago from the Philippines. And we brought him home at nine and a half, and he'd been living in the orphanage for two and a half years prior to that. Xander's a gift from God. Xander's been through a lot in his life, a lot of darkness, more than many of us in the room will ever see or experience. A youth group the other night we had our very own Jake Walker. Woo-woo! <laughs> Where you at, Jake Walker? There he is. Jake Walker was given the word for youth group and sharing his testimony, sharing from God's word about God's faithfulness. And, and they we went into a small group, and Jake, um, they asked the question, like, what do you think before? How do you see God's faithfulness? And Xander was the first to speak up. That's not always true for Xander. He was the first to speak up, say I'm thankful, because God, God has given me a family who loves me, and that doesn't hurt me. In and through the darkness that he's been through, you see the sovereign hand of God, where the going through the evil and the suffering, well, we don't always understand it. We can't see it. And some of you are right in the middle of it. And, and, and you, you, you can't perceive and understand how is there anything good? Jesus reveals that his authority, something he understands in his wisdom about this life and this earth, we must go through. He had to go through for us in order that on, in his power we might be raised up. We might be transformed and victorious over the sin in us. That we might be victorious over the sin in this world, the darkness in this world. That we have hope, that we have power, we have security, we have meaning in our suffering. Your darkness will have an end, whatever it may be. Your darkness, God has purpose and he's working. Your darkness, Jesus reminds it cannot take the most important things from you. it will take things from you, but it cannot take the most important things from you. He cannot take his love from you, he cannot take his identity he gives you he cannot take eternal life the Jews. They persist. Pilate brings Jesus out. He tries in his best efforts. He's the one in authority, right? Pilate has the power to crucify him or set him free, right? Well, even Pilate's power, the irony is revealed. As he subjects himself to the people and the will of the people, not his own. He doesn't use his own power to do what's right. He knows Jesus is not guilty. He succumbs to the people, sits on the judgment seat, and gives Jesus over to be crucified. The people, the people are the Jews. The people, they get it right. He's the Son of God. But for that very reason, they reject him, then they yell, Crucify him. His very own people. Jesus, John speaks of this at the beginning of, of his gospel. He says, The true light which comes. Gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. It's easy for us, this side of history, to look at these guys, and they're they're just they're they're blinded in their rage and they say crucify, they're 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 killing Jesus, and we can we can easily kind of distance ourselves from that and say, Shame on them, they're wrong, and somehow see ourselves as different. But, friends, we are no different. As the song and the line in the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, says, It was my sin that held him there. The movie The Passion by Mel Gibson. It's a graphic movie that attempts to depict the reality. It's very difficult to watch. But it tries to honestly and authentically depict what happened to Jesus. We can easily kind of minimize what Jesus went through on our behalf. And in filming that movie, The Passion, Mel Gibson, he's the one holding the nail he intentionally put himself in the position while filming so the whole crew and the set could see it was my sin that held him there. He did that intentionally for his own sake, his own heart, and that reminder that it's not this group called the Jews or these religious leaders, it's me. I put him on the cross. My sin yells, crucify. Even louder than the mob. That day. We can minimize our so. It's, sometimes it's hard. Like we use this vague term "sin." Like how how is that possible? But friends, any 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 choice, any thought, any attitude, any any intention in our part where we say Jesus. I want my way over your way. Whether I chose to lie, to avoid consequences or to tell the truth, I'm choosing my way over your way. Whether I chose to, to, to lust over someone rather than to honor and respect that lady and bounce my eyes, I'm choosing my way over your way. Whether I chose to fudge just a little bit on my documents and my, my reimbursement form, that was for me setting up myself as king over you. When I spoke to my Spouse or my brother, sister, or that classmate, and, and I spoke down to them, I made fun of them, or I used sharp words. I was choosing me over you, God. Whenever we make those choices, whether it's in our mind, whether it's in our heart or our attitude, that person hurt me. I will never forgive them. We drive the nail in Jesus' hand. We set ourselves up as rebellion against Jesus. I am the king, you're not. Sin, every act of sin, every thought, every desire is an act of rebellion, is a declaration of war. I will be king, you will be my servant. It wasn't just the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the Jews that put Jesus on the cross. You and me, friends. We nailed him there. But you know what? He went there willingly. He intentionally came to let you and I crucify him. In his mercy, Jesus allowed himself to be put to death by those he created and came to save so that by his death he might give them life. Jesus willingly, intentionally came under and allowed us to put him to death. Why to purchase us? There's a movie or a book, actually, called Les Miserables. Any of you read the the book Les Miserables? It's a really big book, so uh, uh, I haven't read it technically, so my wife's read it. But I've watched a couple of the movies, Les Miserables. I particularly like the one with Liam Neeson. I'm not much of a musical guy. I was tortured by musicals growing up. Any of you like me? You were tortured by musicals growing up? Any of you out there? hmm Sorry, we got, we got one hand out there. Okay, sorry. They're not that bad. In Les Miserables, in this story, Les Miserables is in a powerful, powerful story of the transforming power of grace and mercy. In this story, in the beginning, this gentleman named Jean Valjean is released from prison. And at this time, the thought was, if you were ever a criminal, if you ever did anything wrong once, you were always a criminal. You were just going to end up back in jail. You're always, you're always going to be the dregs and the lowest of society. So he had to present himself and reveal himself as, as a, with his prisoner number and, and, and his identity is his crime. And that he's a criminal. He shows up at this um, priest at this church this priest, and the priest invites him in and welcomes him, and, and, and they, they have supper together, and Jean Valjean, his eyes are going, money, 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 money. He sees the silver, candlesticks, and he starts scheming. He's just bought into that lie of his identity. And that night, he wakes up in the middle of the night, with his bag and goes. And, and what had we key, had a keen eye? Where did they put stuff? He'd cased the joint and he starts taking all the silver. The priest wakes up in the middle of it and he assaults the priest on his way out and he takes off. The next scene we see is the officers bringing Jean Valjean back to the church and to the priest to convict him, to take him to prison, but they needed confirmation that these things were in fact from the, from the church. But Jean Valjean had shared that the priest said he was his guest and that he gave him those things. And Jean Valjean knew he was lying. They came to verify the story. And so the officers asked the priest the question, He says this, that you gave him to him, that he was your guest last night. And the priest, he knows the truth. He knows exactly what happened. And he says, well, yes, he was telling the truth. He was my guest. And I did give them, give him the silver. In fact, Valjean, there's these candlesticks, which are the most prized possession that you forgot. You forgot the candlesticks. Let me grab those. And she's like, what is going on here? She grabs the candlesticks, he puts them in his bag. And the officers leave, and he's like, what is going on here? Jean Valjean, he knows the truth. He doesn't deserve this. But the priest willingly knew, he knew. Jean Valjean was casing the joint. Jean Valjean, he was going to steal from him. He knew, and he let him do it anyway. And he told him, with this silver, I have purchased your soul. And I give you back to God. You are a new man. You've been bought with a price. Jesus, undergoing the crucifixion at our hands willingly, was to purchase you and me with the price of his own blood. It's in his mercy that he receives us, but he demonstrates his love for, in this, that while we are still sinners, he died for us, for you, and for me. Have you received that? Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the king of kings. Will you surrender? Will you receive his authority? Because in receiving his power of overcoming death and darkness, overcoming our sin, you have that same victory. You have that same hope. You have that same power, the power of the cross, Jesus in you. But not only that, friends. You have his love. He's purchased you, knowing the worst about you. Will you come and receive his mercy? Receive his love? You've got to surrender. Surrender. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on down. And the kiddos. The kiddos are going to kiss with me as they come on down. I'm going to invite you guys to come on down here. I want you pray with me as they come on down. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this truth of your word, this power. Lord, the, 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 the revelation of your authority. You used your power to serve. Use your power, Lord God, not not to just merely uh, overthrow darkness from top down, but you came under. You came underneath evil and darkness. You subjected yourself in order to save us. Lord, help us to receive this truth, this revelation about reality in this world, but this revelation about how you liberate us. And there's authority that lives in us now if we receive you, Jesus. Father, we pray that you would work in us to receive you in your love for us. But in your victory that you grant us. In your name we pray, amen.